Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you are listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. Hi friends, welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is the quick hit from last night's show, which was October 16th, 2018, um, at the Times Union Center in Albany, New York. Um, it was the tour opener for fall 2018. Uh, we've got a guest here. It's a surprise guest. I'm going to I'm gonna keep you guys on, it, on the edge for a little bit. Um, but I wanted to say a few things before we get into the show. And first is a Couch Report is coming tonight uh, with RJ and Tom. Um, and Dawn from the Female Centrics 
uh, podcast uh, from Osiris Network. Uh, they're going to be reviewing uh, the shows up to this point and the tour up to this point. So please check them out uh, via the YouTube page, um, uh, the Relics YouTube page, or, or Osiris's YouTube or um, Facebook page as well. So check those things out. That's fun. Uh, also got to mention that at Hampton this weekend, there'll be a live event with Tom and RJ and everyone else who wants to show up along with Jonathan and Matt. Um, kind of a live podcast sort of deal I think will be fun and Hampton is always fun anyway. So uh, might as well ramp the fun up while you're there. If you, if you get a chance, check out the HF pod or the Osiris uh, Twitter feed um, for location and time and all those sorts of details. And um, finally, the lure winner, the lure winner last night um, was old fan, old P H A N fan. Um, he or she came up with the most uh, correct guesses for last night's show. And um, as the guest Scott and I mentioned, he probably picked Army of One, um, which is uh, it's something that he, neither he or I would have done. So, and, and now on to our guest. The ever-present and famous, I think at this point, Scott Marks. Scott, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I know you're in between shows in Albany, and um, I'm glad you could could join us for this for this quick hit. So, My first pleasure. first we got to mention. I mean, tonight is your 300th show. It is. Wow, that's a big deal, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just a number, but it's still a landmark number, and it's kind of just fun and a little extra excitement for tonight. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's it, right. Age is just a number, as we're both turning 40 next year, as we mentioned, um, offline. Um, but uh, uh, 300 is, is a significant number, I think. Um, so congrats on that. And um, Thank you. And everyone that I know really appreciates your your set list tweeting and all those things that you take very seriously. So, um, thanks for that. My pleasure. Yeah. So for your, for your 300 show, we'll thank you for what you do. How's that sound? (laughs) Sounds Uh, great. So let's talk about last night. Um, your 299th show, uh, what'd you think just generally? I thought it was a really strong opener. Um, the, the first set, um, I had mentioned that there was a lot of funk that was being thrown about with um, MoMA dance and tube theme free and everything's right in cities. So it just kind of had like a that kind of feel to it. And the the second set I thought had a really good flow. And you you can't go wrong with the hood encore. That's that's as good as it gets. Yeah, what a great! I thought it was an outstanding first set, at least just on paper. Um, it was good musically as well, but just on paper, they really um, brought uh, the dancey, the dancey grooves and the and the funky grooves, like you mentioned, um, out in the first set. Opened with uh, the MoMA and the Tube was over ten minutes, which is always significant in my opinion. Um, so, uh, a really strong start. How was the how was the vibe in the crowd? I think the vibe in the crowd was was good. Um, whether you want to look at it as being coincidental or not, it's the band's first Northeast show after Curveball didn't happen, but it's also a tour opener and it's an indoor show. And I think, you know, people were just happy to have the band back in the Northeast. 
and the band really didn't disappoint. Yeah, it was also the first time they'd been in Albany proper, the city, right, since 2009. I mean, obviously they've been to um, SPAC and those places, but um, uh, the Times Union Center is a, is a was a staple back, you know, 2009 and previously, but uh, it'd been a few years or nine years, I guess, since they'd been there. So um, were there old faces or new faces or I'm sure you recognize some people, but not a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I always recognize a lot of people at shows, and I'm sure with every show you have a lot of new people that are getting introduced. Uh, it's Every show is always going to be somebody's first show, um, or 300th, or, or whatever. Um, I, so yeah, there are a lot of people I recognized, and you know, a lot that I, I didn't. That's would be the case for any show. Good. So, and um, you've got family, or at least uh, extended family up in the area, so you got to see some family too? Yeah, I have a cousin who lives eight eight minutes away, and I have a old high school friend that I'm meeting up with tomorrow who lives in the area, so it's a chance to catch up with everybody around here. It's a great it's part really about nice. tour, right? Not only fish, but, but yeah. friends and family and all that stuff, so sweet. Always try and add more to it than just tour. Um, it makes it so much more enjoyable. Yes, yes. So let's, let's uh, talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the MoMA Dance and Tube. I kind of mentioned the theme was pretty standard. Free, I didn't think um, deserves five stars, but maybe four stars. Uh, but the Army of One, I thought was a wonderful bust out, and I was excited to hear as and RJ tweeted about it earlier today too. So, um, anything from the first half of the first set that really stuck out to you? Oh, the the tube, obviously. Um, I, the first thing I noticed was that it was a, a slower pace than yeah. I'm accustomed to, um, and so the a more funkier theme to it um which I, I guess is like the, the keyword of that set um and I thought that the um the transition from theme into free loops uh was really good uh just kind of they they knew what they were doing it was seamless and it wasn't like a, a record or anything like that um it really was and seamless I, I thought listening this morning listening back it was um um, and next thing I knew, it was free. You know, it, it was almost like uh, they sprung it on you, but they they they, they snuck it up. So um, right, it's like you it fit perfectly, but you weren't expecting it either. Yeah. Um, but you're like, oh, I can understand that they went there. So it it worked really well. Um, and free was a little different, where they they broke it down and had Mike and Trey facing each other with a little. Uh, dual improvisation. Um, awesome. I saw those picks. I, I didn't know also, what song it was, though. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and also, you had two Billy Breathe songs in a row, which was the day after the uh, album's 22nd anniversary. And I, I never know if the band is aware of these things or if, if we, as over-analytical fans, catch up on it. <laughs> but um, it was just a, a nice nod to it. Yeah, that's. I, I thought that was... Uh... That was cool, um, and I doubt I just don't get at least Trey. He doesn't seem to be on top of like the historical dates like that. But maybe Mike, right? <laughs> um, so, what about the Haley's? I thought with um, uh, maybe I was anticipating a little bit longer Haley's, but that doesn't happen anymore. But the everything's right that followed was I thought nicely extended and and well played. Did you get that? The the Haley's I liked. Um 
the last minute especially, but I, I feel like I, I know at this point that they're not going to jam it out after that, that one minute. Um, you always <laughs> yeah. hope that they are, but they, for whatever reason, they've trade decides that he wants to go to the next song and they don't jam now like they did in the nineties. Um, everything's right has been one of the pleasant surprises of 2018. Um, it, it fits well in the first or second set and they have a chance to open it up a little bit. Um, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I think the, the Camden version I saw earlier this year was fantastic. Um, in the first set and the, the transition into cities, uh, is one of the best, uh, segues of the year. Um, yeah, that's so, a full blown hero, right? Show yet? I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, all the listeners out there. Yeah, that's I, I agree. A highlight of the first set to me were, were these two songs, um, and uh, I always like the two debate or the debate of whether you know something gets a carrot or a full blown arrow, you know, between songs, um, and I, I think this one is no doubt a full blown arrow. Um, I, I think Absolutely. even th- that theme into free could be a full blown arrow too, but um, that was. Uh, just, just they seemed. We're not all the way done with the first set, but they seemed to be um, uh, eager to play. I guess I, I don't know if they were well practiced as as we'd want, um, as as you said, over over analytical fans. But um, they seemed to be eager at least. Did you get that, or am I off? I think they're always eager. Um, I don't think there's ever a show where they come out. They're like where they don't want to be there. Um, and there were definitely some. You know, pockets of, of rust on a couple of tunes, um, but overall, I, I I tend to overlook that and, and focus on the the whole. I like it. You're a you're a glass is half full guy, huh? Absolutely. We all need to be right. <laughs> so, uh, the cities and then walls of a cave of the cave. Sorry, not of a cave. Um, finished out the first set. Walls was kind of standard. Not to say it was bad. Yeah, it seems like Walls has kind of been standard since they got back from the breakup. Um, if you go back to 2.0, they had a bunch that were right. kind of jammed out um, and, you know, among the, the best versions of the song. But, I mean, even the ones that are standard are still special. You, you listen to the lyrics and it's just, it, it's a special song. It, yeah, I agree. Awesome, awesome set closer, too, even if it is standard. So um, let's move on to the... Uh, Move on to the second set, uh, the Ghost opener. Um, and well, let's be. Well, I'll read the set list: Ghost into No Man's, and then uh, Piper. Twenty years later, Show of Life, two thousand one, and uh, Character Zero to close the set with the Hood Encore, as you've mentioned. But um, right off the bat, what what really stood out, if anything, from the second set to you, Scott? The the biggest thing that stood out for me was the twenty years later. Um, where the last several minutes of the song kind of went into um, a dark, sinister jam. And I, I don't know if those are really the correct words, but you, you listen to stuff where Trey will have what I call like a high soaring improvisation with high uplifting notes. And this right. is just the exact opposite. Like <laughs> Mike was really in control um, and the lights and it just um, emo might. It was interesting. It was dark and it, it was almost like then you had a, a kind of happier 
more thought-provoking, uplifting song with Show of Life, and I, I felt that it, it fit perfectly into the set. Um, so, yeah, the, the biggest thing I would have said to go listen to from that set would be the 20 Years Later. Um, but, I mean, there were obviously interesting things throughout the set. Um, yeah, I think um, to listen to. as, as um, Scotty B mentioned last night, maybe, or I don't know when I saw it in his Twitter, but he said that, is he really going to have to flip a desk to 20 years later, which I thought kind of summed it up pretty well. Um, if you guys follow Scotty B, it's, it's, uh, he only does that for special ones, and this is a special one for sure. Um, or special songs, not so much only 20 years later. Um, it's one of the best. It's not, not quite like the, the Reading one from uh, 2013, okay. but it was, it was definitely one of the more interesting ones they played as late. Nice, nice. They... Um, they really busted out a lot of uh, tunes in this second set, at least uh, jam vehicles with Ghost and No Man's and um, 2001 and then the Hood Encore. I mean, did you, uh, any of those um, get an A-plus to you or, or was it just the 20 years later that stuck out? Um, I I really enjoyed the 2001 as well. Um, I, I thought Fishman kind of changed the beat around into moving away from the song structure a bit. Um, I thought Character Zero was really well played. Um, sometimes the intro can be a bit rocky, but I thought last night they had rehearsed it and it was good. And um, the end of Ghost I enjoyed. Um, sure. I had recently just done a little bit of a, a research project where I had gone through and done a deep dive into some of the greatest moments in, in Albany history. And obviously with ghost, you can look at 99 and 2009, but it's a song that they've played in, uh, uh, 97 as well. And, um, one of them, uh, not thinking of, so it was the fifth, the fifth version, the, Oh, 2000 as well. Um, okay. And I, I, it kind of picked up speed at the end before stripping down and quiet. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to, really get somewhere with only 11 minutes on that song. Um, but it was, it was still enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and, um, the, the Piper was a little interesting, um, where I, I don't think I've ever heard Trey singing the lyrics of the song before Piper actually began, but <laughs> it's like, you're listening to the end of no man in no man's land. And he's just starting the lyrics and you're wondering, well, all right, is he quoting the song? Right. <laughs> Are they going to go into Piper? And then right. the rest of the band kind of got on the same page, and then there's your Piper. Um, right. I don't know if it was intentional or if there was a lack of communication. I don't really want to know. I just I enjoyed that, that it was a little different, um, and it kind of keeps you on your toes when things aren't necessarily um, going by the norm. Yeah, I don't know who um, who said it. Uh, so I can't quote them, but um, somebody mentioned on Twitter, like you know, they like the, their pipers to have the build uh, before the lyrics, and it's almost like he read that and did the exact opposite, which is something Trey would do, right? <laughs> so um, I thought that was totally unique, but really cool to to hear and and to listen to. So, um, but overall. I think we can agree that it was a really solid opening night. You don't always get solid opening nights uh, to tours, and um, you got no complaints, or, or do you? <laughs> uh, 
I have no complaints. Um, I was really happy with the, the song selection um, and I, the flow. Um, I walked out of there uh, thinking I had seen a good show. Um, and it, as far as tour openers go, it was, it was a really good one. Um, so I'm excited for uh, tonight and what else is in store for the rest of the tour. Um, there's just a special vibe about them playing in the Northeast and, and yeah. uh, side indoor arenas. Um, so Albany's, I mean, you look back at the, the moments in Albany and there's just been stuff all over the place. Um, they, it's three hours, two and a half hours from Burlington. So it's almost like a, you know, as close to hometown show as they're going to get unless right. they're playing in Vermont. So it's just, I, I would think it's, it's special to the band and it's definitely special to the fans. Yeah, and I, I got to mention, you said it, um, I have to agree with the indoor fall shows, you know, the the outdoor shows in fall, like Chula Vista and that kind of stuff just don't, I mean, I, I love them and I'd always go to them, but um, they're just not fall tour shows uh, if it's not indoors, you know, and there's also just a special vibe generally that's indoors for me, so right. I, I agree with you there. Um, so just general questions, I didn't even, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but um uh, any putting me on the spot here. I'm putting you on the spot. Any hopes for <laughs> any hopes for your 300th show? I'll see how I do. Yeah, if you if you have lightning round. Yeah, not, nothing hard though. Any hopes that um, or any an, anticipation or, or wants for your 300th show? Um, I, I think the generic response is to have the band come out and, and play a great show. Right. Um, if I were to say these are the songs I really want to hear that I'm either chasing or haven't seen in a long time. I, I missed, uh, Mr. Completely by a couple of shows, uh, the two times they played it last year. And, um, I caught 11 of the 13 Baker's dozen shows and, and kind of, um, fell in love with Powderfinger and Neil Young's song that yeah. I had not heard, um, beforehand. And now I've gone back and listened to, I think it's Rust Never Sleeps. Um, yep. The, uh, and uh, the live, the live have enjoyed album. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, if I were to choose a song that I've heard before and haven't heard in a long time, it would probably be uh, "Shafty," which I caught back in '98 uh, uh, for the the Island Tour, and then in 2000 in the middle of uh, uh, Maze and, and back at the Maze in, in Burgettstown. Um, for songs that I have a better chance of hearing, I, Mike's song is probably the top of my list. It's been a favorite of mine since, since day one. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with whatever we get. Um, that's as, a good answer. It's usually the case. Yeah. So, you know, band puts on a good show. They have a good time. I'm with people that are enjoying it. Yeah. That's, that's all I really need. If, if I get lucky and get one of my, you know, long shot Hail Mary request play. That's that's fantastic. But I'm I'm happy either way. Well, I'm sure they're listening, so they'll they'll uh, I'm I'm sure they'll heed to your requests. Now, the final question for the interview, though, Scott, is what is your all time number one go back to jam that you've heard over the past 299 shows? So this would be a show that I was actually at, correct? Yes, sir. Um, I don't know if I could 
narrow it down to one. Um, and I mean, okay, you can give us more than one. With a question like that, um, <laughs> it's really uh, subjective. But I, yeah. I've always, always been a big fan of the seven fifteen two thousand down with disease into while well, my guitar gently weeps oh, nice. uh, with the the transition there uh, just kind of melts your brain or whatever. It's it's, it's great. Um, it, and then they it got released in um, from the archives this year for Curveball, and so was very excited for that. Um, and then another, also coincidentally, uh, Down with Disease was from uh, Dixon 2015, I think September 6th. Um, where it just had a really uh, fantastic jam that they took time to develop. Um, you know, it's not the best version of the song, but it's probably one of my favorites. And then to hear that that same theme kind of brought up in No Man and No Man's Land at Meriwether this summer was yeah. was special. Um, so awesome. I mean, I'm sure I could sit down and find a bunch more highlights, but those are the two that immediately come to mind. Well, I have to say I'm honored that I was at both of those shows. The one in Columbus from July of 2000 and then um, I definitely remember that uh, the jam from from Dix you're talking about so um, it's great stuff and it, and it gives our listeners a little something to go to and, and check out as well uh, before tonight's show so um, again thanks thanks a lot Scott for taking the time uh, at Biz Absolutely Archive my pleasure I, I'm sure everyone who listens is already a follower but if not check out Scott's uh, Twitter feed at, at Biz Archive and um he does wonderful work, and he's 98% of the time, even before, from the road, right, with your with your song calls. So um, it's, a, it's a exciting. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> the people kind of compare who's who's tweeting out faster. I, you know, they, they do a great service, and, and so do I, so there's right. not really any no, competition there. No competition, and nothing you probably pay attention to, but it's fun to watch. Um, so... Uh, again, thanks a lot. Have fun tonight. 300 show. Um, exciting stuff. And uh, hopefully we get to catch up um, later uh, on the tour, if not uh, in Vegas before then. Maybe Hampton, too. You said you'd be at Hampton. So um, if you get time, come by the HF Pod uh, live show. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Before Hampton. Um, I'm yeah. you know, glad to speak about the tour at any point. Yes. Um, Yes. So thanks for having me on this afternoon and uh, looking forward to catching up in person. Yeah, have fun tonight, Scott. I appreciate it and and talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. 